Welcome to Crew Conversations. This is our spot to continue the conversation for crew in the Fenway area. Today, we are continuing in our mental health series, and we have another awesome panelist from Monday Night Crew, Chase Grogan, to dive a little deeper today. I do just want to make a quick mention that today's episode includes topics of gun violence and death, and we invite you to do whatever is best to take care of yourself. Now let's get into today's episode. Welcome, friends. Welcome back to Crew Conversations. Patty here. I'm really excited to continue in our series on mental health. And today we have Chase Grogan with us. He's here to kind of dive a little deeper. We got to hear from him at Monday Night Crew a few weeks ago, and we want to go deeper in the conversation today. Chase, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to be with you guys. I'm excited to get to have a chance to go more in depth tonight. I feel like we could only scratch the surface at Monday Night Crew. So to kick it off, I'd love to just hear what drew you into the field of mental health in the first place? How did you get here? Yeah, I think that's, uh, (laughs) I had to reflect on that question a little bit. And honestly, it was a long journey. You know, I majored in architecture in undergrad, but I minored in psychology. And back then, I never put the two together. Um, But I did realize that I always had this affinity for uh, how the mind worked and, uh, you know, what was kind of going on beneath the surface with people. And um, it wasn't until I started working with uh, my job prior to working with Boston Public Schools, I worked for uh, the Department of Youth Services with young men who were incarcerated coming back into the community. Uh, and I just saw the, uh, the need for mental health services. I saw uh, the need that, you know, continued to arise through re- repeated trauma and through uh, just their concerns and challenges of overcoming certain obstacles. And so it was actually while there, I, uh, you know, developed a a real kind of love for mental health. um, And I uh, wanted to make a longer term impact. And so I decided to go back to school um, to pursue a school counseling degree and um, and ended up getting the mental health counseling as well. Mm. Wow. Thank you for sharing. I didn't know that you were architecture before. Yes, I actually have my degree in architecture. That's really so, cool. Yeah. What ways do you see architecture overlapping with psychology? Yeah, so, you know, my uh, at Virginia Tech, Go Hokies, we did a fifth-year thesis uh, program. And so my thesis project was on architectural psychology, actually. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, how shapes and spaces, colors, um, you know, being able to see outside, uh, the movement of light and things like that really affects people's mood. And so my uh, fifth year thesis project was actually a youth center <laughs> that had a residential component. And it was all about how space, color, sound affected uh, people's psyche. And so that was my overlap. Wow. I love that. I haven't studied architecture at all, but I do find it so interesting just how different spaces make me feel when I Mm -hmm. enter them. And it's wild to think that, oh, as somebody that's thinking through, like, how will this space be designed? What will this space feel like that you can actually like make an impact on those things? I think that's really interesting. It is. It is. I mean, you know, everything from 
you know, how church, I would say it's like a traditional church is designed uh, versus how a concert hall is designed, you know, versus, uh, you know, a school, um, and, you know, everything just kind of has a niche and um, really should feed into how you desire to make someone feel in that space. And so uh, that was a really interesting uh, project for me. Yeah, that's so cool. One of the things you mentioned a little bit on our panel uh, was the trauma center at your church, Roxbury mm-hmm. Presbyterian. And I'd love to hear more about that. How did that get started? And how are you seeing God move in and through that space? Yeah, so uh, our trauma center was actually birthed out of our own trauma um, as a community. Um, it's named after a young man by the name of Corey Johnson. Um, and Corey was a member uh, of our church, his whole family um, connected to our ministry, and he was shot and killed uh, mm-hmm. right in Roxbury. And so out of that pain uh, was birthed our trauma center, um, meeting with his family, friends, siblings, cousins. Um, they, you know, began to receive training and uh, they did, you know, group counseling and group therapy. And that kind of birthed this idea that Uh, there were others dealing with trauma um, and they could utilize a space where they could just be, where they could Mm -hmm. share, um, where they could not be judged, a a space that's sacred, but separate from the formality of church. And so, um, you know, that has now evolved into a program that is, um, I I don't know, uh, bursting. No, it is you know, a weekly program now. There are, there's a program specific for mothers who have lost children. There's a program specific to men uh, challenged by addiction. We are even starting a youth program at this time. Um, So just this past week, uh, we heard that we were launching into, you know, four more sites across the state of Massachusetts. And so uh, that would make about nine total. Um, And so, you know, the program is expanding because uh, people are just kind of understanding the, nece- the necessity of these spaces. And, you know, um, it's just great. It's a great experience. Some people come and never say a word. Um, and then other people come and just share in that, you know, um, in that healing journey with other people, uh, you know, and it's been um, a funnel for people to, to then join our church. It's been a funnel for people to get involved in individual therapy. And so, you know, that's how we see God moving in that space. It's, you know, people kind of understand what that space is, is created for. And sometimes they come in not even knowing what they need. Um, mm-hmm. And God kind of, you know, opens their heart to begin their healing journey. And people bring up things that happened 20 years ago, you know, um, or things that have lied dormant for so long and they didn't even realize that it was affecting them. Um, and they are able to just speak about it and they're able to kind of connect with people uh, we have community companions, so people who train to to sit with people, um, to check in on people throughout the week, uh, and there's always a clinician on site, um, whether it's virtual or in person. So, wow, that's really beautiful. Yeah, uh, we even actually uh, that program actually went to uh, Gordon College um, mm. to deal with some of the uh, racial concerns on campus. Mm. Um, and so I just say that to say that there have been like one-off opportunities as well, um, based on, you know, things that are happening in the world, um, 
both local and nationally. And so again, just people understanding and seeing the need for people to just have a space to sit and to reflect and to share, which is which is what can we talk is. Yeah. That's so important. I just think about there's so many ways we get educated, you know, going through school. And then there are so many ways that we maybe are not naturally educated in life. And I feel like trauma is one of many. It's like something that many people experience and often don't, I think, know intuitively, like, how do I heal? Like, what's Mm -hmm. the next right step? And so I love that you're providing spaces for that. Yeah. How do people enter in? Can anybody find it? Yeah, it's open to anyone. Um, so the the large group Can We Talk sessions are open to the public. And right now, uh, well, through you know, COVID, it's been virtual. Um, but the mother's support group and the um, you know, men's addiction group is a closed group. So they kind of open up at one particular time, but because they share so deeply, um, those groups are are closed once they get get rolling. Uh, but the the public group is open um, and anyone can join um, at any time. Uh, and like I said, you, you they can come and not say a word. Uh, they can come and not turn their camera on. They can come and just listen. Um, but we've even found that just being in the space and listening provides a level of healing as well. Um, it lets you know that you're not alone in what you're facing. It lets you uh, know that, you know, other, how other people are kind of coping and, and dealing with what they're dealing with. And biblically, right, we overcome uh, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of people's testimony, you know, and the idea that uh, such and such person can, can do this, or if they can make their courageous steps towards healing, then so can I. Yeah. Well, that's a really powerful space. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's such a great space that is being provided. One of the things that we kind of are hoping to do with these conversations in our Fenway crew community is destigmatize conversations around mental health and to make it something that becomes easier to talk about, easier to bring up. And one of the things you mentioned at our panel was sort of this idea that maybe it, it took you a little while to seek therapy. I think you mentioned like your church community and the black community, maybe that wasn't um, a norm. And so my guess is there are probably people in our audience in a similar position where maybe they're actually thinking, I'd love to seek out some therapy, um, but maybe they don't feel that freedom or maybe they don't want to um, wade into how that might be perceived. And so I was just wondering if you'd be willing to speak into how you overcame um, that Mm -hmm. personally. And then maybe with um, our audience in mind, like college students in mind, like what would you tell your younger self now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as I again reflected on this question, I, I think I was forced into therapy. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and not forced by any person, but by just a series of circumstances that mm. just really kind of, you know, left me very depressed. Um, In college, while I was in college, um, again, I I went to Virginia Tech and um, I was there uh, during the, um, as they've coined it, the Virginia Tech massacre. 
um, you know, where people were shot and killed on our campus. Um, while I was there, my pastor, who I had grown up with, um, accepted Christ with, uh, he uh, dropped dead in the middle of church service. Oh my uh, and my brother, uh, my biological brother was killed. And so uh, there was just like this chain of events and it really uh, caused me to, A, you know, question a lot around God um, and like what is really happening and what is going on and why are my prayers ineffective and, you know, that kind of thing. And then B, um, this joy that God talks about, like I really wasn't that. Um, and so... You know, it was at that point that, you know, some people, some people were like, hey, man, you know, I really think you should talk to someone. Um, but even then I resisted. Um, I didn't want to feel weak. Um, I didn't want to feel as though, uh, you know, I needed a certain amount of help because of, again, that stigma um, that I had grown up with and, and that I was accustomed to believing that um, mental health was for quote unquote crazy people. After my brother passed and all of that, it was the community, the impact community, very similar to the crew community that really held me down and prayed me through that space and checked on me and talked to me. And I didn't understand at the time what that was doing for me, but that really was my kind of like group therapy, if you will. Um, but it wasn't until moving to Boston, going to graduate school, um, and dealing with the then death of my father um, that I got into counseling. And um, the first <laughs> few sessions, I just, it was like someone had taken the lid off of a Coke bottle with a Mentos inside. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like I just, it was like a release and I just cried and cried and cried and cried. And, um, you know, he just sat and, listened and it wasn't scary and it mm -hmm. wasn't um all the things that people may think it was it was really uplifting and empowering and encouraging and so you know what got me into counseling was my own trauma <laughs> and my own kind of devastation um and what i wish i could tell my younger self is stop caring so much about what other people think Mm. Um, you know, uh, and the importance of the importance of your mental health, the importance of understanding, you know, where you are and the importance of getting the, um, getting the help that you need when you need it. And I don't think there, there's anything weak or wrong about that. I think therapists are a gift from God, um, and they're using their God given, you know, uh, talents and education um, to assist people on their journey. Um, and then I became a therapist. So, mm -hmm. you know, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, it's, it's a really a process of reciprocity of, you know, receiving that help and then wanting to pour that out and, and allow someone else to kind of walk that path of healing as well. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with us and kind of bringing us into your story a little bit. Absolutely. For me too, it took a little while for me to finally decide that I was willing to, to go to therapy. My 
my father passed away when I was 15 unexpectedly. And I remember being asked at that time, like, do you want to go to therapy and process this? Mm -hmm. And, and I said, no, and I really can't even tell you why, like I said, Mm -hmm. no, I think maybe just, I was young and but actually 10 years after that, I was like, oh my goodness, there's a lot of stuff that just mm-hmm. is buried <laughs> yeah. and has not um, been able to come out or heal or process. Mm-hmm. And I remember just being surprised by how much mm-hmm. there was to, to talk about and engage with. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. But it really was healing. And in a way, I almost can't describe Oh, like it wasn't like I left therapy being like, oh, I healed this much today. Right. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like over that period of time, I've done kind of two chunks, I guess, of mm-hmm. therapy. And I guess mm-hmm. at the end of that chunk, it was like, oh, wow, there is something that that has been lifted um, mm-hmm. from me in that. Mm-hmm. But, but it took a little while to get there. And Definitely. Mm-hmm. I'm a uh, I, I'm an avid uh, Animal Planet watcher, and um, <laughs> in class we talked about how animals kind of deal with their trauma versus us as humans. And oh, interesting. Um, you know, when an animal like a a gazelle is chased by a lion, you know, and they're like running full speed, and they finally like escape by the hair of their chin or whatever like the animals do this thing where they shake and they like shake it off. Right. And then they go back to like eating grass. Like, (laughs) (laughs) but my professor, you know, talked about how, you know, that shake, if you will, is their release of whatever Mm -hmm. they just experienced and they don't hold on to it. It, It's to whatever it is, you know? Yeah. Um, Whereas we deal with, the trauma of X, Y, and Z. Um, and we remember it and we hold on to it. Not necessarily that that's a bad thing, but, you know, our memories are just set up in a way that, that uh, kind of cultivates this, this response to hold on and, and remember mm. and recall. And, and that's what kind of prevents us a lot of times from going down that process of healing. Um, and we like to hold on to a lot of things, um, but specific to trauma, we hold on to those. And then we just say, well, I'm not going to do that again, because last time that hurt me or the last time I got in a relationship, that person you know, did something wrong or the last time I loved someone genuinely X, Y, and Z, you know, and so yeah. that uh, the trauma of our past sometimes prevents us or, or attempts to prevent us from moving forward and, and really um, walking that place in that place of healing and and so when she talked about that um mm-hmm. distinction uh between you know wild animals and, yeah. and us it, it just really clicked for me because I hold on to a lot you know um and I know that a lot of people do as well yeah I feel that too that's a really interesting example mm-hmm. kind of wish I could just shake it off you know <laughs> shake it off right <laughs> yeah yeah. Mm. Well, one of the things we talked about in the panel was sort of this idea of like what a therapist can do that mm-hmm. your community can't, and then what your community can do um, that your therapist can't. And 
And I feel like you've even touched on some of those, like the community that surrounded you, that was kind of the impact community that uh, kind of helped you process. And then, you know, going to therapy after that, mm-hmm. but thinking about our audience as mostly students, I know this happens for me sometimes working in ministry, but sometimes people share their stories of trauma with you. And that's always, that's really beautiful. I think whenever Mm -hmm. we can create a place that people feel safe to share, Mm -hmm. but knowing that for a lot of our listeners or someone like myself, I'm, I'm not a trained therapist. Mm -hmm. And so their skills I don't have. And so how do we just as a community, just as people in other people's community, like how should we respond when people um, share maybe trauma with us? Um, what are ways to validate and affirm and not add more damage onto that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is such a great question. And I think this could be like a whole hour within itself. But I think, you know, in, in a few ways that community uh, that we can respond as community, um, you know, is a just listening, right? That sometimes, especially as Christians, <laughs> um, we can be so ready to like help, and so like I need to respond or what's that scripture? You know what I mean? And and that's not always bad, um, but sometimes people just want you to listen, uh, and so really being mindful and prayerful, and and sometimes even asking like. How can I support you in this moment? Do you want me to just listen or do you want me to really like give advice? Because people will tell you like, no, I just need to vent. I just need to get it out. And, and that will listen um, intently and just listen. Um, and so I think that that's uh, one way. And then secondly, I think, you know, one thing that's great about community is that in, in therapy, you know, um, you know, the person is kind of devoting to the therapist what has happened. But in community, you kind of see that person in action, right? Mm-hmm. So you see them on their good days, you see them on their bad days, you know, they kind of call you when something's going on in that moment. And so there's a, a really a place for accountability. Um, there's a place for, um, you know, real time kind of, uh, well, I don't think that's a great response. How about, you know, I meet up with you at the library or something. Let's talk this out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and whereas the therapist, you know, there's a set time. <laughs> they can't necessarily call them all the time. The therapist is not their friend either. You know, so while the therapist is usually responding, it's usually uh, reactive. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, in community, um, you know, especially if you're really close with that person, it could be proactive. Um, as far as the response to what they may be going through. And so I don't suggest that anyone attempt to counsel, you know, someone outside their um, purview or outside of what they feel is, you know, within their scope of intelligence. I don't know, whatever. But I do think that um, community gives us an opportunity to, like I said, listen, to hold each other accountable, to um hold that space for someone and as you said patty like if someone invites you into that trauma and into their story realize the importance of that um, and mm-hmm. kind of the sacredness of that space and don't um betray their trust um you know don't use that as an opportunity to to tell your other friends um because they're really really inviting you into a space that's personal um and 
unless they tell you that they're going to harm themselves or someone else, you know, um, really hold that uh, sacredly and um, and uh, and keep that space confidential for that person. But I think, you know, in all those ways, community can be really important. Um, and of course, prayer. Um, I never undermine or underestimate the power of prayer. Um, so pray for that person in that moment. And if they, again, if they're not ready for that or they don't want that, cool. Pray for that person after you leave. Keep them on your prayer list. Write their name on your, on an index card and put it on the wall. And just as a reminder to pray for that person. Um, because just as much as we want to equip people with their coping mechanisms and their individual therapy, all of that is important. There's also, you know, a spiritual uh, place, a spiritual warfare that happens as well. And so we want to be able to respond both naturally and spiritually. Mm, that's so good. Yeah, I love that you highlight like just listening or just being with people. I think that can be so powerful. And something I feel like I often have to remind myself of, like, I think naturally when people bring things to you, it's like, how can we make it better? How can we fix it? You know, I can kind of lean towards that and just reminding myself that often it's just like, just listen, just sit, Mm -hmm. just be present. I think that's, that's so good. Yeah. And that's the hardest part for me as, I mean, as a counselor, that's Mm -hmm. one of the first things that they tell you, you know, you're not there to fix it. You know, that is not your job. That is not your role. You're not even there to always give advice. You know, you're there to listen and you're there to guide people as they walk their journey. Um, And if that's the advice for professional counselors, (laughs) you know, I think that, um, you know, we should take that as well uh, in community. And I think that, you know, ultimately that's, you know, that's how Jesus did it as well. You know, um, he could have made us all robots, <laughs> you know, and, um, but he didn't, you know, he allowed us to kind of walk this journey with the, the guide of the Holy Spirit, with the guide of the Bible. Um, but we all have to kind of walk our own path and, and figure it out. Um, and, and so in that way, you know, that's why community is so important. Um, because some of you guys have dealt with things in your life and and kind of share your journey. Some of you, um, you know, have similar experiences that, that, that your peers may have. Um, and you're able to say, you know, hey, you know, this is what worked for me. You're, you know, and, and kind of share that, that space, but never force anyone Um and never think that you again have to fix it. You're you're there to listen. You're there to help. You're there to pray. Um, you're there to share, um, and and be what that person needs in that moment. Yeah, yeah. As you were talking, it kind of made me think of the story of Jesus with Lazarus. You know, and Lazarus has died, and yeah. Jesus comes a little bit later than people were hoping and, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, the sisters kind of greet him and they're like, you know, Lord, if you had like been here, if you had been here. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus with all the power, he could have just immediately brought Lazarus back from the dead. And he, he doesn't, he, he stays and he weeps with those who are grieving and I always think 
that's such a powerful image absolutely in the bible absolutely it is so powerful that we don't have a god who is not concerned about our emotions right who is not like privy to what's going on with us i think that's uh that's one of the things that kind of keeps me going that god is full of compassion mm. you know he's full of empathy he's full of grace uh for that moment um and as you said like he shows emotion and and I don't think that the Bible ever tells us, you know, not to be emotional, um, you know, not to be angry, not to be sad, not to be frustrated. It is that in our anger, don't allow that to give us an opportunity to sin, right? But it doesn't say don't be angry. Um, and so I, I just, you know, I think that's a place of clarity because God mm. gave us emotion. God gave us a way to kind of deal with and, and emote these things we are feeling within ourselves. Um, but then to, to bring that to him, um, yeah. you know, and I think that that's, that's so important. Mm. There's a lot of freedom in that, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know for me, sometimes like anger can be a hard emotion. And mm -hmm. I remember having uh, meeting with, I meet with a spiritual director once a month and we were kind of talking about something I was walking through and after that meeting I just I put a post-it note on my wall that said it's okay to be angry yeah because sometimes I I think you know even within I don't know like what does it look like to be a good Christian you know or some of these ideals that maybe aren't actually true but can just kind of mm -hmm. get written in our heads and like I think somewhere for me it's like Oh, ang anger isn't okay, but, but that's not true at all. Right. Anger is okay. And there's mm -hmm. ways that it is godly and good. And God has given us these emotions. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, I feel like there's a lot of freedom in exactly what you said, like a God who feels. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and just really encouraging people, you know, I always think back to the, the, uh, creation story mm. and how you know Adam and Eve fell right and yeah God comes looking for them and they hide mm. right um and so in their fear of you know what's happened um it it caused them to try to run and try to hide from God um and we I think we've kind of developed that same condition whether it's fear or anger or frustration or sadness or whatever like we run to other people we run to other things we run to food we run to drugs we run to alcohol we run to all of these things um except running to god and i think that's where our power is right that we were created uh, for for that relationship with him um and so when we feel those emotions as you said there's nothing wrong with that uh, but don't allow it to separate you from god um, allow it to to capital towards and take that step and ask you know for his help in dealing with that emotion whatever it is yeah yeah that's so good on the flip side kind of going back to our topic of trauma and kind of walking through that you know we just talked about like what if somebody brings trauma to you like how do you mm -hmm. respond how do you enter mm -hmm. in with them but the other side of that is some people listening, they are the ones that have experienced trauma, mm -hmm. are experiencing trauma, you know, will experience trauma. 
Mm-hmm. What would you recommend for, for us when those times come up, when we're experiencing trauma, what are the best next steps to care um, for ourselves? well? Yeah, I, I, I think in the time that we're living in, Patty, you know, the un- unfortunate truth, if you will, is that we're all, we all have or will experience trauma. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and it may just be the collective trauma of the pandemic, you know, the collective trauma of the political and racial climate of our world. And then, yeah. you know, things that are going on in our individual lives. What I'll say is that we all need to have um, coping strategies in place um, that kind of help structure your day and kind of help uh, with the o- ongoing uh, overall health of yourself so you know just making sure that you are exercising your mind and your body um, in some way shape or form you don't need to go to the gym for 80 hours a week Um, (laughs) but you know taking walks making sure you go outside uh, don't stay in your dorm room don't stay in your apartment you know uh, make sure you see the sunlight you know making sure uh, you take some time to if you like to draw and you haven't drawn in a month, make sure you draw. You know, mm-hmm. if you like to write poetry, uh, go to a poetry slam. You know, uh, you, making sure you take um, intentional time for things that give you life, um, and and you have to be intentional about it. Um, we can make so many excuses, and we can say we're so busy, and that might be very true, but you cannot be too busy to take care of yourself. And just as, you know, uh, if you were cut and you were bleeding, um, you wouldn't ignore it. Uh, You should not ignore, you know, um, your mental health and the trauma that you have or will um, or, yeah, are facing. Um, You know, you should really, really handle that. So, again, uh, having some coping strategies in place, um, sharing it with someone. You know, if you're not in a place where you're ready to go to individual therapy and we're not all there and that's okay, um, but find someone that you trust and just share with them that, you know, what you're going through and ask them to listen, Um, you know, and if it gets to a place where you can't function in a particular area that you were functioning well in before, and that's when you should seriously consider, um, you know, seeking uh, outside help. Um, so if you were, you know, getting straight A's and you can't focus in class anymore, you can't stay up to do your reading, you're just slacking uh, and not because you want to slack, but just because you can't mentally wrap your head around your academics anymore, then that's a sign that you should seek help. You know, um, if you had, were the life of the party, the social butterfly, and now you stay in your dorm and you don't want to talk to anyone, uh, you used to wear colorful clothes, now you're kind of like, yeah, whatever, you don't care about your appearance. You know, all of those things are kind of things that um, are signs. And um, if that's you, or if that's a friend of yours, then, you know, you should ask them. And and I don't think there's anything wrong with asking. Um, And uh, yeah, and then, like I said, you know, seek the help that you need. Mm, Yeah, that's so good. And I think those are some really, like, one, some really tangible kind of coping strategies and then to like some really tangible things to notice like you know what is going on in my life and like mm-hmm. how do I know when it's time to seek help and so I think mm-hmm. that's 
that's super helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The place I'd love to kind of end our time today and I think it kind of relates a little bit to this last question, but one of the things we want to explore is sort of what does it look like to honor, to take care of our mental health in sort of an everyday way and not just when crisis hits, but what does it look like to just sort of honor that aspect of our life in the same way we honor things, you know, like our education or whatever things we've kind of put in, like, how do we add mental health to the thing that we're just, that's part of what we do. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe what practices, like, do you personally have in place Mm -hmm. to kind of care for that? And then uh, what things might you suggest for our friends listening who might want to develop a habit of kind of everyday practical care for their mental health? Sure. So I'll share a few practices that I do uh, personally. One, usually I'll drive to work (laughs) and I'll just sit in the car Mm. silently for a minute or two and just kind of breathe and think through my day, you know, and, and I started doing that because I would one be running late and that creates the chaos within itself. Um, but you know, just kind of sitting and and taking a deep breath, um, breathing resets and freshes everything. And so the one, if you don't hear anything else in these last 45 minutes is (laughs) breathe, just breathe. Um, I promise you, if you can just Stop in your moment, whatever that moment is, before an exam. If you notice, uh, even sports psychology, before, you know, people shoot free throws or whatever, they take this big, deep breath. The golf swingers do it, bowling people, they take a breath. And um, sometimes when we're dealing with chaotic situations, we forget to breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just breathe. Uh, the second thing that I do um, is I started going to the gym. Um, it used to be kind of sporadic, but I know that for me, uh, not just for my physical health, but um, working in a public high school is so stressful. Mm. I have to have a, a place to kind of shake it off. <laughs> yeah. And so I go to the gym and, and it, I don't care if it's 30 minutes or if it's two hours, I need to go. And I need to kind of be there and just kind of be there. Um, And so that's the second thing that I do. The third thing that I'll say is music is huge for me. Mm. And so if I'm ever in a space uh, where I need to kind of deal with myself and my emotion, um, I stop what I'm doing and I put on my music. And that's what I do to kind of handle, you know, handle that part of me. And those are kind of everyday things, right? Those are things that you don't really need to plan for uh, breathing, uh, walking, taking a jog, going to your rec center, um, listening to music, again, drawing. Um, you know, if you can kind of implement those things and put a structure around it, um, maybe you want to draw once a week or maybe you um, listen to music for five minutes when you get up. Um, you know, our quiet times, our meditation times. Um, our times to sit before God and pray and li- read the Bible, you know, uh, those are critical uh, to your mental health because, again, they are part of your structure. They're part of how you kind of process your day and, and you filter your experiences through those moments. And so, again, as we talked about, you know, um, you want to put in those practices so that 
um, if and when trauma or crises arise, you're not kind of left in the middle of the ocean, not being able to swim, right? Like you want to kind of have those things already in place so it doesn't hit you as hard as it could could potentially hit you. That's so good. Do you have a, a go-to jam that uh, that you go to? <laughs> it, depends on the, it depends on uh, the mood, I will say. Uh, but right now, this this particular last two weeks, um, it's been Graves into Gardens. Oh, yeah. Um, that has been like my song. And like, I will literally turn my volume all the way up and I know people <laughs> can hear it and I really don't care. Like, I'm like, <laughs> you don't care. You know, like, um, but that's just my moment, you know, and I need that moment and yeah. I take it un- unapologetically. Mm. I love that. Yeah. I feel that too. I actually like, I love listening to podcasts. Like I listen to podcasts mm-hmm. all the time, but what I notice is like a podcast is still this sort of like, I don't know, it's engaging my thoughts. I'm like thinking a lot. It's mm-hmm. like, and sometimes I actively am like, no, I'm just going to put on some music mm-hmm. because it totally like clears my headspace in a different mm-hmm. way. I actually did that like this afternoon before mm-hmm. um, we met. I was like, I just need a little, little downtime. And yeah. you know, the music gets me yeah. there. <laughs> uh, and one other thing that I've done now is I play Wordle every day. Yes, I do. <laughs> the Wordle, Quartle, and Octordle, right? <laughs> um, and it might, you know, be silly, but it is actually so calming for me to not think about anything else, not to think about anyone else's children and their problems and why they didn't do their math homework. Like, I just trying to figure out what these yeah. words are. Um, and so even, you know, silly things like that, like, you know, these games on our phones, like, I message game me, like play me and pool, you know, I, but these are little, little practices that you can have, like set aside five minutes to do that or, you know, play one game a day uh, or whatever, if it's going to be too much for you. But these are just little things that you can do to like take your mind off of the rat race, you know, and, and in college, I know it can be hard because we're conditioned to grind, 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 study, study, study. If you're not studying for one class, you're writing a paper, you're researching, you got to go to crew and, you know, you're doing all of these things, but you have to build in a schedule for yourself. And again, if it's five minutes, cool. If it's 10 minutes, cool. Some of you can do 30 minutes to an hour. Start where you can start and build in specific and intentional time to care for you. And then ask someone to hold you accountable. Mm. Not so good. Yeah, because yeah. I do think like these rhythms that we establish, mm-hmm. it's like then we know how to access them mm-hmm. when the heat gets high, when the pressure exactly. goes up. It's not like, oh, I'm feeling a lot of anxiety and I have no resources. But it's like, oh, if we start building things into our lives, it's like when the pressure goes up, it's like, okay, I've got some things. I've, I know yeah, how to take yeah. the next step. And so, yeah. Mm-hmm. and college is a great time to start because life keeps going after college too and it's like how mm-hmm. do we build lives that value our humanness that value the fact that we need rest I find the world doesn't usually care about that and so it's like mm-hmm. we have to sort of make that space in our days yeah. to kind of honor those human rhythms that we need mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And if the pandemic taught us anything, <laughs> it taught us that the world will go on. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like, you know, everyone who was working so hard 80 hours a week figured out that they could do that from home. Right. Mm-hmm. And we figured out that we did not, I mean, we wanted, like we we missed certain things, but you know, there were certain aspects of life that you know, people started to appreciate being home, being, you know, in spaces where they could uh, take time for themselves. And so don't forget what you've learned in this season, um, but also don't neglect, as you said, yourself. And uh, developing those tools now is so essential because life goes really fast after college. Like I, I've been out of school a long time and <laughs> I get nervous talking about it. But um, anyway, we're gonna just move on from that. Uh, but you know, life happens really quickly and um, learn that. If you can learn that now, I think that's huge. It's, it's really huge. Well, this conversation has been a gift, Chase. Really grateful um, to just yeah. be able to, to keep the conversation going, to hear more from you. And I know, I know our community is going to love it too. So thanks for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you guys.